I'm not going to do it. But when it's left with God, I must do it. And so God, I obey in Jesus' name. Amen. I think that word was a blessing for many of us here who were here last week. And I said, if I have the opportunity again, I will talk about loving your enemies. Because loving one another can seem easy sometimes. But loving people who hurt and hate and do intentional things to us and treat us like we are not even human beings, it's so difficult to love back. And so, Reverend Rex gave me the opportunity again to go and study and pray and come today to share on my own perspective and what I'm convicted of from scripture about loving your enemies. And so I will read the scripture. It's not up today. I didn't get to talk to the minister. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. If you want to go there, you can also go there. Well, let me start with 43. You have heard that it was said, love your friends hate your enemies. That was in the Old Testament days, in the past. But now Jesus is here and he's saying, but now I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. For the five, so that you may become the children of your father in heaven. And I like to read more, even though I will focus on 44. For he made the sun to shine on bad and good people alike, and gives rain to those who do good and to those who do evil. Why should God reward you if you love only the people who love you? Even the tax collectors that. And if you speak only to your friends, have you done anything out of the ordinary? Even the pagans do that. You must be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Amen. Amen. So I want to focus on verse 44. But now I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who hatefully use you or persecute you. Do we have some of those people in our lives? Yes, sir. Hmm. For me, I did. A whole lot. And this morning, I just want to share my own story of my own struggle and my own fight with God when it comes to this command. And how for 12 years I moved from fighting God, refusing to say yes, and how I moved to saying yes. And I just want to share my life today. In 2009, I left Texas and went to Liberia along with my husband to serve 
on the mission field in Nimba. As a district superintendent, my husband had many people that he was leading. His wife had died in 2007, and after one year, we got married in 2008. There was a big welcome by the children, the youth, young adults, women, men, old people who could be my grandparents. And they were all calling me mother. Can you imagine? I left Liberia when nobody ever called me mother in my twenties. And here I step back and everybody's like, the women were singing, we love you, oh, mother. And I'm like, okay, this must be love. It was full of love. It was overwhelming joy. And it seemed like everyone was happy to receive me. Thank God that I was into a ministry of prayer before I left from here. So the battle started. I would see this same woman coming in my dreams, bringing me food to eat. I would get up and pray. And I kept asking God what was going on. I didn't understand. I didn't know that culture before. Since I did a 40 days fast here before for myself, and saw so what God did in my life, I continued praying and fasting. Sometimes 40 days, 21 days, 7 days, or 3 days. But I kept praying until it looked like it was a job. So I saw the battle in my dreams. But in the physical, everyone was quiet. And no one was saying anything to me. I was the only stranger. Because culturally, they were not supposed to talk plenty. Amen. Amen. Then in 2011, August, we came from the U.S. here. And the first night I slept, I saw this boy in my dream and he asked, Where are you coming from? We have been looking for you. We have stayed here like maybe three months. We could not find you. I woke up from my dream. And then our daughter came to us crying. And she said that she had a dream. And she called the same the name of the same boy and said he stabbed her in the heart. And she got up from her dream and the pain was so much and she was crying. And then I said, this is it. I'm not doing this alone anymore. I'm not praying quietly anymore. I am calling other prayer people to join me. So I said, I called a prayer team and we prayed in the house. And there was instructions from God to pray and fast for three days. And at the end of that prayer, the battle became, the battle came to the physical. The people who were coming planted to our home stopped coming. The children stopped coming. The children were running away from me. So I went after them because I didn't understand what was going on. I asked them, why are you staying away? And oh my, confession started. One said, I am this, 
and I can do this in animals. And the other one said, I am deaf and I can do this. Children are here, so I won't want to be too graphic. I continue to pray with that prayer group at their church because for the Melanese people at that place, that was Pentecostal prayer. And they were not going to allow people to change their church. It wasn't supposed to be in the church. And even if someone started a prayer, they would do all they could to break down the prayer. And so the children too started following me to this other church for prayer meetings. And they were going through deliverance. And things were getting exposed. And the people who welcomed me with so much love now became enemies for us. And the voice told me that when the older people get exposed, it will be time for you and your husband to leave. And that is what exactly happened later. In February 2012, I became associate pastor at my church when my husband was senior pastor. Now I have legal rights and spiritual rights to lead prayer in the church. I organized a prayer team for the district and we prayed regularly in our local church. Then the power of God came mightily upon my husband and he led revivals throughout the district with the pastors and members of the other congregations. And of course, when you do a revival and you pray, the works of darkness are exposed. And the devil doesn't like it, and the people who he has been using don't like it. And so we made more enemies by doing that. And I got angry. I got bitter. I prayed with anger. And I started hating in my heart because the battle wasn't easy. And I said, 2012, by the time I became associate pastor, one of the leaders of the district came to the office crying. And I asked her what happened. And she said, I am sick. I'm burning oil in my body. And my daughter gave me money to go to hospital. And I told her, this is not hospital sickness. I must go to my reverend and his wife. And say sorry. So I said sorry for a while. She couldn't talk. She was just crying. So myself, I started crying. And then I prayed with her. And then my husband wasn't there. So when he came, she came back. She wanted me and my husband to pray with her. And we did. When she left, my husband said she's not going to change. Amen. He knew his people. I was the stranger. And so we made more enemies. And ladies, you want to know where they afflicted me most? Or I should keep it as a secret? You want to know, right? Yeah. They afflicted here in my womb. It became the battleground. Since you were not leaving us alone, we're not leaving alone too. So you know the kind of pain I have gone through, right? Jesus. While I was summer, I, I kept leading prayers. There was no turning back. If I turned back, I felt like I would die. 
So I will continue. Yes. And my husband's people, travel people, went against him fatally for bringing a stubborn woman who will not stop praying and exposing the works of darkness. So in 2014, we did a 40 days fast and prayer in the church, and people joined. 40 days of prayer is danger in the kingdom of darkness. In September, I decided, I was in Bola, yeah, we have no work to do but just to pray. Mm. So in September, I decided to open the church and pray for 90 days, and I said, God, I want to see you, and I want you to do something in my life. Mm. Then my husband did another fast and prayer for 40 days with the church. And then one day he said, let's do seven nights of tarot in a home. And as we were doing the seven nights, he said, let's do more and let's do more. And we went on the one night. By December, there was big exposure all around the district. Anyone who was sincerely praying for the church will see that the leaders were the very ones going against the church. The leaders. And on December 30th, a man of God spoke and said, Pastor Labla, God says, you and your husband ministry here is over. And I'm like, over? Well, the work we're doing, you say over. He said, I said, God said, your ministry here is over. The mission is accomplished, your work is done. One month after that, the bishop assigned us to Bayou. Throughout our mission in Nimba for six years, God spoke to me many times, love your enemies and pray for them. I remember I was on the airplane, we were on the airplane traveling and back to Liberia and God clearly spoke to me, I didn't send you down there only for the righteous people. I also seen you for the, the other people. All of them are mine. And I said, Lord, I will try. <laughs> but I refuse to obey God. And my womb suffered the affliction that came out of disobedience. I think I had more fear and less faith I was afraid to love these people who are so cruel to me. I wasn't trusting God on our other word. But the word of God says in first in first John 418. 418. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out all fear. So then, love has not been made perfect in anyone who is afraid because fear has to do with punishment. Amen. Amen. Why was I afraid? I knew the scripture, but then I was afraid. God says love, and I say God is too difficult. If I if I start to love the people, they will creep up on me and they will destroy me. So I was I put myself in a bondage. Even though I read Colossians 1:13, in which Paul says that God has rescued us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. 
And even though I kept reading in Colossians 2 15 that Jesus had disarmed principalities and powers. And he made a public show of him. Yet I was afraid. Church, when God says, Love your enemies, he is saying it for our own good. Amen. I fought with God on that love your enemy thing. But I also felt the pain of disobedience. And I'm glad to say it here because I know somebody will want to obey God today. So then in February 2015, we moved to Banga Mission. And the people resisted us from the very beginning. At least in Ganta, they pretended. In Banga, there was no pretense. They called us strangers. They plotted against us to leave. They turned the people against us. They did everything. But thank God that quickly we knew that a mission there must be accomplished. So instead of fighting at this time and hating the enemies, I got on my knees and said to God, I surrender. Hallelujah. Oh, so if I have believed from the beginning 
that praying for them and loving them will make them powerless? Don't you think I would have prayed the a long time ago? But after this long time, then I am believing that when I pray for them, they become powerless. So that those active first in my dreams, those people who are coming, tormenting me and showing me their faces, they do all kinds of things. As I pray for them to be delivered from the hands of the devil, they disappear from my dreams. They no longer could torment me again. And as I continue to reconcile with them, one by one, I believe that God is healing me. So yes, church, let us agree today to love our enemies. Are you ready to agree? Yes. Is there someone here who is ready to agree? Yes. I know it's difficult. But if God could do it for me, he can do it for you too. Because we benefit from obeying God. Don't keep yourself in bondage by being disobedient to God's word. Have faith and obey God. Don't fight the people. Fight the devil. He doesn't want you to be successful. So he is using the people as obstacles. Forgive them. Pray for them. Do good to them as the scripture says. And when you do these things, God will take away your anger. It will be there no more. Your enemies will become powerless over you. Whatever they do, it will not work. And God will heal us as the word came strongly through Pastor Rick last week. That God says someone is here if you, if you love. If you begin to love those who you once hated, God will heal you. I take that word for myself every week. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us get rid of pride. I will not bow down to that person. Let us bow on our knees and reconcile. And let God be happy. Let God do the fighting for us. Amen. Amen. I want to close with this story about Peter. Peter from the scripture. When Jesus started his ministry, he met Peter. And he says, I will make you fisher of men. I will do it. He didn't say, the day you deny me, I will not do it again. He said, I will make you fisher of men. And then in Matthew 16, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say I am? And they always say, oh, they say you the prophet, you Elijah and Abraham this and that and Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the living son of God. And Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this thing to you. He told God himself. So you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not reveal against it. Hallelujah. Amen. It was the same Peter who on the day of crucifixion when he saw Jesus going through the suffering he got afraid. 
And he said, I don't know him. Three times. He said, I don't know him. And if Jesus had been us, would say, my brother betrayed me, I would never forgive him. But Jesus is not us. And so he looked at Peter. And Peter went weeping. And Jesus knew the heart of Peter. And in John 21, when the disciples were gathered again, it was the same Peter that Jesus asked, Peter, do you love me? Three times he asked him. And he said, feed my sheep, feed my lamb, tend my sheep. He gave Peter the commission. And so I was seeing one of my seminary classes that were doing Christian education, were doing Bible study method. And somebody chose the scripture about Peter denying Jesus. And while we're talking about that scripture, the revelation just came. This phrase. Don't throw all of your Peters away. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus did not throw Peter away. And so Peter became one of the greatest apostles. Peter became a bold man for Jesus. What about us? Do we have people who have betrayed us? Brothers, sisters, mom, pa, children, husbands, wives, friends, and we are ready to throw all of them away. Oh, some of them could just be your Peter. Ask God to help you. It is possible. Now ask Pastor Rick, the father of this house, to come and lead us to the throne of grace. Where we can find cleansing for our souls. And where we can find peace. May God bless us in the hearing of these words. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.